pastoral staff here at uh, MPI Church, so you don't see me a lot on Fridays. I'm kind of old, right? I'm like, I'm like 30. It's crazy. I turned 30 this year, and I feel super, super old. I met a kid. Well, he's not a kid. He's 18, and he was born in 1999. Can you believe that? Oh, y'all looking at me like, yeah, so... Y'all grew up on what? Uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and all that stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I know, I know y'all age group. Y'all like my little brothers and sisters. That's, that's what y'all are like. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you and uh, share a little bit about School of Urban Missions, Bible College, and Theological Seminary. It's something which I am very proud to be a graduate of. I went through the, the master's program there to get my degree in biblical studies. I'm proud to teach there, to teach classes on evangelism and New Testament, and I'm proud to be the cohort advisor for the students uh, that attend here in Chicago. And so before I get into my message, I actually want to invite up two of our best and brightest and newest students. Let's get Jackie Valle and Oscar Cardenas. All right. Jackie, will you take just a minute to share what God's been doing in your life? This is her first trimester in SUM. She's brand new. She did amazing, by the way, in the fall, amazing in her grades, and she's been bearing tremendous fruit. Why don't you share a little bit? Okay. Um, so, yes, this is actually my second trimester. So we're going into our second trimester. It's doing really good. It's really um, different. I'd never been inspired to go into college. So when I decided to go into college, I knew that this was definitely a good reason to go into. I always thought that, you know, college is trying to steal my money. They want to teach me things I don't need to know. But it was definitely worth it because God's kingdom is something that's going to come and it's never going to end, right? So um, I gave up all of my worldly things, all of the things I wanted to do because I knew Jesus was greater. So it's, it's amazing. My life, I live as in I take a step and everything just falls in place and it's beautiful. I love the peace. I love the love that God gives me. Um, definitely, I, I enjoy it. So I invite you guys. <laughs> What's up, y'all? So, I'm, <laughs> yeah, so I do go to SUM. I go with Jackie, TJ, Lawrence, etc. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, they're amazing, they're amazing, but you don't know them, okay? So, I mean, <laughs> uh, SUM, SUM, it's been a real experience, you know? It's, uh, it's amazing, especially just, just spending time with these people. You know, they're Christians, you know? You guys come every Friday, and what, you spend like two, three hours with us? But then spending a whole day with them, I'm talking about a whole day. You guys do go out with us, you know, from like, what, five hours? But then we're there all day, you know. It's like, it's like Jesus when, and his disciples, you know. His disciples lived with him. They ate with him, you know. It's just an amazing experience. And learning, you know, learning about the Bible, breaking it down little pieces that we never even knew. Like, for instance, does anybody know what the hypostatic union is? Except, Josie knows. Josie knows. The hypostatic union. Does anyone know? No, if you want to know, hit me up after service. <laughs> hit me up after service. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. That's it. This man is the walking Bible, okay? You just bring him all your deepest Bible questions, your deepest thoughts about life. You tell him why you cry at night. You ask him why do uh, brown cows eat green grass and make white milk. You, you bring all that his way. This, this man has all the answers. He is a, quite a wise sage. Uh, uh, 
listen, guys, uh, again, we're, there's going to be a lot about uh, the Bible college here. Don't feel pressured. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things God could call you to. You may or may not be called to pastoral ministry. But after the service, after the altar call, all is said and done, you can approach me and I can give you some information about the school. This is a fully accredited Bible college. You could get an actual bachelor's degree. This isn't something you get out of a Captain Crunch box. You feel me? You could get an actual bachelor's degree um, in, in, in the fivefold ministries to equip you to, to be a pastor, to be a leader in the church, or a master's degree and beyond. And we want to make you aware of some opportunities for a mission trip to Mardi Gras next February. And uh, want to hype you guys up for that. If we could just play that video. You ready with it? You been ready? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, how you doing? All right. Is, is, is that it? There it goes. Let me just get out the way. tell you that is a blast people go to bourbon street every year around that time to have the biggest party of their life but i'm over here having the biggest party of mine preaching the gospel it is a blast following jesus following the call of ministry has has been uh, absolutely amazing so guys there is an opportunity for high school seniors any high school seniors in this place um, there's an opportunity for high school seniors who have a serious interest in joining the college. Hit me up. It, it will cost some shekels. You would have to plan for it, but where there's a will, there's a way, and, and we can maybe help you out a little bit, but you just got to talk to me after. If you want to make that mission trip a part of it, you can come with uh, the Chicago cohort uh, next February. That's going to be really, really exciting. I want to get right into the message right now. Let's turn in our Bibles or your Bible apps, right? You all young people, right? There's an app for that. There's an app for that. This is the J.C. Penny catalog, and y'all got, got a Bible right here on your phones, right? So there you go. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. So I want you to listen very carefully, pretend as if I am the audio Bible. In the scriptures, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. So as you hear, I'm, I'm just reading to you the unadulterated word of God with no comment. As you hear it, God will speak to you. God will stir up faith in your heart. You will begin to believe God. You'll begin to believe what he has to say to you right here in this word as you listen. Amen? Let's start Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. 
As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave, to, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And someone say amen to the word of God tonight. Here's an outline for you. Three points. Verses 1 through 6 is unity. Everyone say unity. unity. Verses 7 through 11 is diversity. Everyone say diversity. Verses 12 through 16 is maturity. Can I hear maturity? Let me focus on verses 1 through 6, this matter of unity. Paul the Apostle, anybody familiar? Paul the Apostle, he was a great missionary. He spread the word of God throughout the whole known world in his time. He traveled, he traveled far and wide to tell everybody about Jesus, to plant new churches, and to spread God's kingdom. He also wrote 13 books of the Bible, and he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord. When Paul wrote these words, he was sitting in a Roman prison cell, yet he did not consider himself a prisoner of the, of the Romans. He considered himself a prisoner of Jesus. For Paul at that time, that was the will of God for him to be sitting in jail. He was not there for panhandling. He was not there because he didn't pay child support. He was not in there for selling drugs. He was not in there for murder. He was in there in a jail cell for preaching the gospel, for doing what Jesus told him to do. So he considered himself a prisoner of Jesus. For Paul at that very moment, his best life now meant sitting in chains in a Roman prison. How about that? And by the way, that's just a short list of the sufferings that he endured following Jesus. He was beaten. He was nearly stoned to death. He was shipwrecked. He was betrayed. He went hungry. He went naked. All of these things in following the will of Jesus for your life. All of this is to say, if you want to follow the will of Jesus for your life, that does not necessarily mean you will get the American dream. 
That does not mean you're going to get everything you ever wanted in life. You're going to be comfortable, have a nice salary, have a, a job with benefits or what have you. I don't even know what kids are dreaming of nowadays, but in my generation, it was the American dream, a two-car garage, white picket fence, a dog, you know, beautiful wife and 2.5 kids. That was the American dream where you could just kind of take a vacation, you know, one vacation a year and just, just work hard and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Following the will of Jesus Christ is, is, is not always like that. It's not always like that. But he has promised that he would be with us always. Amen. He has promised us an abundant life that nothing in this world can compare with. As I get into this message, I want you to have two questions on your mind. The first is this. What will I do with the rest of my life? The second is, what will I do for eternity? By the grace of God, you will have these two questions answered for you. What will I do for the rest of my life? And what will I do for eternity? How many of you, you, you feel you are at a crossroads as you're getting older, as you're contemplating adulthood, uh, planning to go to college? This is not a plug for SUM. There's all kinds of things. God may call you to the medical field. Uh, God may call you to, to retail. It doesn't matter. The point is you're planning your future. Anybody thinking about the future? Anybody thinking about what you want to do with your life? Anybody thinking about what type of person you want to become? Anybody thinking about what you want to leave behind in this world? What will be your legacy? What will I do for the rest of my life? And what will I do for eternity? First of all, Paul tells the Ephesians to live a life worthy of the calling they have received. First of all, if you want to do anything worthwhile in this life, you must live worthy of it. If you want to do anything worthwhile in this life, you must live worthy of it. Let's say you want to be president of the United States. Are you going to be president of the United States with your pants sagging? No, you will not. Are you going to be president of the United States with a screw face everywhere you go? Are you going to be president of the United States and be lazy? Are you going to be president of the United States and, and be dishonest? Don't answer that question. <laughs> well, but to do something worthwhile, you have to live worthy of it. If you don't want to accomplish anything, if you don't want to be anything, then don't do anything. Sit home, watch Maury, watch Jerry Springer, try to get away with as much as possible, try to mooch on your parents, try to mooch on your friends as much as possible, try to get away with doing as little as possible, and, and, and if that's what you want, if you want very little out of life, do very little. But if you want to do something meaningful of this world, it's going to be blood, sweat, and tears, just like it was for Paul. Uh, the prisoner of the Lord. And if you want to do great things for Jesus, you got to work hard. Jesus is calling you to work hard. If you want to be a pastor, don't live with the illusion that it's just going to stand up here and, 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 and preach and sound so anointed. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you have a, a famous celebrity pastor in mind, somebody who's on TV, somebody who's all over the internet, and they're just so cool, and they have like a cool haircut, and, and they have all these holes in their jeans. The holiest thing about them is their jeans, right? 
And, and so you may have this illusion, hey, if I go into ministry, if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be like the celebrity pastor over here, and I'm going to baptize Justin Bieber, and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to be on talk shows and all this stuff. Listen, your chances of being like that celebrity pastor, the chances of many kids in, in, uh, in um, ball, ball courts today thinking they'll be LeBron James. You hear me? The people who will change the world are a nameless, faceless army of Jesus' disciples because it ain't about you. It ain't about exposing you. It ain't about getting your face out there. It's about making Jesus famous, not you. Amen? And so you have to live worthy of your calling. If it's a ministerial calling, if you want to be a leader in Jesus' church, you're going to work hard. If you want to be a leader in the field of fashion, you've got to work hard. If you want to be a leader in entertainment, you've got to work hard. If you want to be a leader in politics, you've got to work hard. If you want to make any positive and meaningful change in this world, you've got to work hard. You've got to walk worthy. And, and if you're going to do it as a Christian, that means character. That means character. And we're finding out with all these Hollywood scandals that people rose to the top without character. You know what I mean? Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spade, all these people, right? All these scandals, all these people having to come out and talk about misconduct and apologize and pay people and, and step down from positions of power because it was found out that they lacked character and integrity. And what they ultimately lacked was the fear of God. You cannot go anywhere in God's kingdom without character and integrity. You'll never get as far as Kevin Spacey did in Hollywood without character and integrity. It, 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 it's just not possible. God will never promote you that way. You must live a life worthy of the calling. And what does it look like to live a life worthy of the calling? Well, he says you have to be humble and gentle. You have to be patient and you have to bear with one another in love. Does that sound like what the world is doing right now? And when this was written 2,000 years ago, people scoffed at that. To be humble and gentle was a sign of weakness. Now ask your favorite rapper if they talk about being humble and gentle. You get me? Still seen as a sign of weakness, still mocked, still looked down at, yet our Jesus was humble and gentle, and he's the ruler of the whole universe, and to him every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Jesus ain't soft. Amen? He's humble and gentle, but he ain't soft. And that's sometimes what people think of it, especially you dudes. You want to be macho man. You want to be Scarface. You want to be 50 Cent, whatever. I was going back to my high school days. I don't think he's even relevant anymore. I heard he's actually bankrupt. Like, he literally has 50 Cent. But anyway. <laughs> right? But you want to you want to be you want to be a macho man. You want to have tattoos. You want to be raw. You want to be a bad boy. You want to be a hustler. You want to be a player. All of those are the complete opposite of what Paul is calling for here. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he says to the believers to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I'm going to try to make this point quickly here. But starting here in verse 4, if you have your Bibles and you like to highlight and take notes, that's a really good habit. You're going to see the, the, the word one is repeated many times in verses 4 through 6. You're going to see one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. Isn't that wonderful? 
one. And this is what we call unity, folks. What will unify? Let me, let me back up here. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful and ancient and enduring, I can't think of a better word, I'll call it organization that the world has ever known? It is a kingdom that will endure forever. It is the body of Christ. It consists literally of billions of saints the world over. People of many different cultural backgrounds. People of different colors, skin. People who speak different languages. People of different age groups. People of different personality types. And they are all one in Jesus. They are all one in Jesus. So we can say in truth, we have brothers and sisters all over this world. I have brothers and sisters in Egypt. I have brothers and sisters in North Korea. I have brothers and sisters in Saudi Arabia. I have brothers and sisters in Latin America. You, you hear me? They are my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It don't matter if we don't wear the same clothes, if we don't listen to the same music, if we don't rock the same haircuts. You get me? We don't divide over pettiness. We don't divide over race. We don't divide over politics. You get me? We are united by Jesus Christ. In a manner of speaking, you could say we're blood related. Come on. And we have one spirit. The same Holy Ghost that lives in me lives in every born again believer of Jesus Christ all over this world. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a member of a church, it's not just this little gathering. You could look at this gathering and not see much of it, but you are part of the greatest and most enduring organization, or should I say organism, the body of Christ. Kings and kingdoms shall pass away. America will pass away. Apple Corps will pass away. The NFL will pass away. Everything we see is powerful and, and successful and having authority and glory in this world will pass away. It will com be completely forgotten. But the kingdom of Jesus will endure forever. And the man who does the will of God or the woman who does the will of God will live forever. Can I get an amen? amen. So we are all one by this. And this, this goes back through you know, all the generations of, uh, of the past. We are united. There is unity. And then it goes on in verses 7 through 11 to speak of diversity. And so some of you will go to a university, which is unity in diversity. Did you know that? To go to a university is to go to man's best effort to find unity and diversity. The idea was back in the days, you know, in the ancient times, if you wanted to get higher education, you would basically go to one teacher, and that teacher would teach you everything. So then, uh, in, the, in the course of time, and this was in the Christian world, by the way, the Christian societies developed universities. They, they developed places where you could learn from many different uh, teachers who are experts in many different disciplines. So you could learn many different things, unity and diversity, you get me? But we're all looking for that. You see... God has called us to unity, to be together, but not to be all the same. And in order to achieve this unity, there is a diversity of people that he has given to the church 
They are called the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Another word for this is five-fold ministry. I want to say five-fold ministry. Come on, somebody give your neighbor a, a, a five-fold ministry high five. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if that helps you remember, right? And if somebody gives you lip, you give them the five-fold. Okay, if it helps you remember, right, five fingers, five-fold, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I'm not going to go into great detail about these, but I will define them. First of all, you have an apostle. Did you know that apostles walk the earth today? Jesus had 12 apostles. These were men that he gave authority and he sent out in his name to preach the word in his name. But to this day, there are still apostles. And to just to make it plain for you, an apostle is like a missionary. You know what a missionary is? It's somebody who goes and, and travels around and preaches the word of God and plants churches. That's, that's basically what they do. Some folks are scared of using the word apostle because they think if you start calling yourself apostle, you think you're, you're big and bad. But if you just look at the function of it, if you travel and preach the gospel and plant churches, you're an apostle or you're doing the work of an apostle, simply put. A prophet is one who can speak the word of God in season. Now, we can all speak the word of God as Christians. We all have the Bible. God gives us wisdom. We can all speak at different times. I can preach a sermon. But when I say in season, the prophet has a unique eye and ear to see what God and, and hear what God is doing at a given moment and to be able to relay God's messages in a clear and timely way to the church. So, for example, if we had a prophet in the house, what would he say to Metro Praise International today? What would he say, you know, what would God say to them in this season? What is the course of action? What is God's heart for this people at this time? Prophets can give those messages with great authority and with great clarity. You have the evangelist. The evangelist is someone who is specially gifted to preach the good news to unbelievers and win them to Jesus. This is a ministry that is not focused inside. This is like an in, this this is an inwardly focused ministry. This is I'm assuming y'all are Christians. Everybody Christians here? Y'all love Jesus? Okay, okay, good. Um, and for those of you who don't, I'm glad you're here. Come meet Jesus. He's amazing, right? But this would be primarily an inwardly focused thing where we're among ourselves, we're encouraging each other, we're hearing the word of God, we're worshiping God together. Evangelism is outwardly focused. It's when the church leaves the four walls of the building where they meet and goes into their community and talks to unbelievers. That's why I really believe in going to the high schools. Amen? You know, at your high school, I mean, there's at least a thousand, right? At least a thousand young people. Or more, 2,000, 3,000. I mean, we're in a big city, right? And they're milling in and out of that building, what, six hours a day, five days a week? Goodness gracious. There are so many lost people there. There are so many kids who never heard the good news of Jesus in their whole life, yet they hear the bad news of GZ and Jay-Z and all these wicked rappers and all these people telling them the devil's plan for their life. You get me? 
There are so many kids who don't have any role models. They don't have any fathers. They don't have anybody who's, who's really looking out for them. They have people who are just trying to market to them and buy their souls. You hear me? And so we need to go. If we don't go, who will preach to them? And so evangelism is an outwardly focused ministry, and the evangelist is uniquely gifted to kind of get the church going and get them outside preaching to unbelievers. Then you have the pastor. Another word for pastor is shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? Takes care of sheep. You follow the metaphor? When you call someone a pastor, you, or if you call someone your pastor, what you're saying is, you are my shepherd, I am your sheep. And what a pastor does is he looks out for the people of the church the way a shepherd looks out for the sheep, provides for their needs, makes sure they're nourished, makes sure they're protected from predators. What kind of predators might prey on Christians, you ask? Uh, Oprah Winfrey? No, I'm kidding, half kid. Oprah Winfrey, you know, you're, you're, but you're just going to get, listen, you got a computer in your pocket and you got so many ideas fl flying at you every single day of the week. Who's going to help you kind of sort the real from the fake? You know what I'm saying? Who's going to look out for you? Who's going to help you keep from just getting deceived and swept away by all the nonsense that comes at you every single day of your life? Who's going to look out for you? Pastors look out for you. They have the heart. They care for you. And then the teacher. This is how I like to think of myself. I like to teach because I'm a nerd. So, yeah, yeah. But that is someone who uniquely teaches within the church, and they, they are able to disseminate information. By the way, if, you, if you're not aware, teaching and preaching are two very different things. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Five types of leaders, fivefold ministry. There is a diversity of gifts that Jesus has given his church to build them up. And, and this is the purpose. It says in verse 9, or rather in verse 10, that he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now that just blew me away. I often skip that verse. Oh, there that goes. I often skip that verse when I'm studying this passage, or I just kind of gloss over it. But when it says Jesus descended, it means, first of all, he descended from heaven to earth, died on the cross, descended into the grave, and then he ascended out of the grave and ascended back to heaven to the right hand of his Father. And it says when he ascended, it was to fill the whole universe. In another passage in Ephesians, it says that through the church, Jesus will fill the whole universe. You just got to wrap your mind around that. In response to the question, what will I be doing forever? I'll be filling the universe with Jesus. I will be ruling and reigning. I will be like Thor in the Asgardians. You guys seen Thor? Like, think about it. The Asgardian people or uh, anyone Lord of the Rings, the elves majestic, powerful, immortal. When we see Jesus, we will be like Jesus. Our destiny, listen, our destiny is not to go to heaven and sit on a cloud and, and pluck a harp. Anybody ever have that picture of heaven? 
That's boring. Okay? The Bible says we'll have a new body, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to rule with Jesus. And we're going to fill the universe with Jesus. I don't know what that's going to look like. It's mind-bottling, ain't it? You could just take your mind in a bottle and shake it up, and that's you filling the universe with Jesus. Ain't that cool? Let me get to this last point, however, and we'll bring this to a close. Maturity. What is the purpose of the fivefold ministry? Why did Jesus give these types of people? By the way, here I am. I'm, your, I'm, your, I'm God's gift to you as a teacher, as a preacher, right? I'm God's gift to you. Why did God give me to you? Why did God give leaders to the church? According to verse 12, it is to prepare God's people for works of service. Have you ever heard of the Pareto Principle? Y'all giving me blank stares, you haven't heard of the Pareto Principle. The Pareto Principle is also known as the 2080 Principle. And a lot of business leaders follow it because it teaches that in any organization, 20% 20 of the people will do 80% of the work. And if you, if you apply that to the church, let's say you have a church of 500 people, what's 20% of 500? Someone do the math. I'm really bad at math. What is it? 20% of 500. What is it? It's 100? She did it. She gets the other uh, SUM backpack. All right. Thank you, Steph. It's 100. And so let's say you have a church of 500, and then out of that, you're going to have 100, and they're going to do all the work. And then 400, they're going to sit on their holy hindsides, and they're going to get fed. They're going to get fed. Now, I talked about like the sheep and shepherd thing. You can't, you are a sheep in one sense, but you're not totally a sheep. You know why? Because sheep are dumb. You're not dumb, are you? Sheep are defenseless. Sheep can't do anything for themselves. You know what the Bible also says about us? It says we're warriors. It says we're more than conquerors. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, can't, you can't follow that till it's, to its uh, conclusions. It's just a metaphor, right? You are a sheep in one sense in that your people are looking out for you. But in another sense, God has called you to greater things. He's called you to be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. And so... To be honest, it blew me away to think that there'd be even be 100 people out of a 500-person church that are on fire like that. But usually it's smaller. Usually it's less than 20%. Usually it's a much smaller number. But here's the idea. You have leadership in a church, and this is not a one-man show. This is not you cheering me on like, Hercules, Hercules. Oh, some of y'all are too old to remember that movie. Right? He remembers. Yeah. Like cheering him on. Like, that's my pastor. Ooh, keep preaching, pastor. You preaching good, pastor. And, and what, what, it, what it can become is you would be a spectator or a fan, and you cheer on the person behind the pulpit, whether it's me or Lawrence or Pastor Joe. You're going to cheer them on. And say, they're anointed, they serve God, they live holy, they live righteous, they attain God's promises. But little old me, I'm just a little old sheep, just waiting to get my num-nums, just waiting for Friday to get fed. 
just waiting to get my wool clean because I got dirty this week, right? You don't want to be a fan of your pastor. Your pastor is there to equip you to do the work of ministry. Did you know you have a ministry? And this is where this message applies to every one of you, whether you go to Bible college or not, whether you are called to fivefold ministry or not, this message applies to all of you. Every one of you is called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is to fully obey him in every area of your life. And every one of you is called to preach the gospel, to win lost souls, and to make more disciples. Every one of you has that. If you're a policeman, guess what you do on your day off? You make disciples. You go to church on time, and you make disciples. If you're a nurse, what do you do? You go to church on time. I don't know if I feel the need to stress that for some folks. And you make disciples, right? You, you, you go to Bible studies. You hold Bible studies. You preach to your, to your neighbors. You preach to your coworkers. You are an ambassador for Jesus' kingdom everywhere you go. Because listen, folks, when your life is done, remember, what will I be doing for eternity? When your life is done, only what has been done for Christ will last. The Cubs World Series will evaporate. It will be completely forgotten. And everyone who played on that team will perish if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If, let's say Anthony Rizzo gets saved. Y'all like Rizzo? I love, I'm a Cubs fan. Let's say Anthony Rizzo gets saved. And... He, um, he pulls over, he's, he's driving down the street, and he pulls over to help a homeless man on the freeway, gets out of his car and has breakfast with him and preaches the gospel to him. And, and you know what's going to be remembered? Will the World Series be remembered, or will that meal with that homeless man be remembered? There's going to be a bigger celebration for that homeless man who the world thinks nothing of coming to the Lord Jesus than, than a, a thousand world series. You understand there is a party in heaven when even one sinner repents. The world and everything in it will pass away, but the man or the woman who does the will of God will last forever. Are you making your life about things that will last forever? The Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The Bible says that when you work, do not work as for human masters, but work for Jesus Christ. Act like, how many got a job? You got to act like your supervisor is Jesus, okay? You got to make your supervisor happy. You got to make your supervisor proud. You got to work when they're watching and when they're not watching. You feel me? And you do it for the glory of God, and you get a reward that lasts forever. And we who are fivefold leaders in the church are to equip you to that. To where you can stand on your own too. The Bible says you're going to be mature. You're not going to be a baby anymore. Just needing milk. Just needing someone to encourage you. Just needing someone to tell you it's okay. Just needing someone to tell you you're going to make it. Every single week. Week in, week out, right? We want to get you to the point of maturity where you're swole for Jesus. I might not look like it, but I'm swole for Jesus. This young man, show me, show me your swole for Jesus. Look at that. Swole for Jesus. Right? Get you to the point where you can stand on your own too, and the devil is not pimping you every single week, and you're not, you know, getting deceived by, you know, what your friends are telling you, kind of getting, you're in and out of church every week. You know what I'm talking about? 
Maybe you're that person. You're in and out every week. You don't know if you believe in Jesus or not. You don't know if you want to get high or not. You don't know if you want to go to church or not. Get out of that. Stop getting tossed to and fro. That's what it's talking about. Get mature. Get swole. Want to bring you to a point where you can preach the gospel and you ain't scared to death to talk to unbelievers. You feel me? Want to get you to a point where you can be trusted with a computer not to look at pornography. <laughs> By the way, that's basics. That's basics. We're talking about work of ministry. That's assuming you're already living holy. And we, do, we don't need someone to tell you every day to live holy. And look at your emails and all that stuff. And, and look at your PlayStation, whatever you got on it. Come on. To build you up for works of service. Now, Lawrence, I don't know how we do the altar call here. But I, if you want to get some music going or... I want to bring this to a point where you get with God and you answer these two questions. What will I do for the rest of my life? What am I called to? What am I called to? I am convinced that several of you in this room have a call to full-time ministry. That you are called to be, you know, we often call them pastors, but I'm just going to say the word leaders. You're called to be leaders in the church, full-time serving the Lord. And that's going to be your life's calling. Some of you to go around the world and preach the gospel. Some of you to stay grounded in the city and preach the gospel. Some of you to reach hurting women and hurting children and hurting families for Jesus and I don't want to manipulate I don't want to coerce you to do that but that's got to be you and God for the rest of you still wonder what am I going to do with the rest of my life and, and, and God has answers there career vocation what kind of family you want to raise where you're going to live all the answers are in God's word and we believe God can speak to you and we believe that no matter what you do you can glorify God and you can do things that will last forever everybody stand up with me with every head bowed and eyes closed Heavenly Father, I gave them uh, your word, and you said that faith comes by hearing, and, and they need some faith right now to really believe and not doubt that you have called them. Everyone here is called. Everyone here is called to be your disciple. Everyone here is called to make a difference in this world. And we need faith to believe that. To believe that we are made in your image. That you have given us spiritual gifts. That you knew us from our mother's womb. That you knit us in our mother's womb. And from the womb you have appointed us. That you have prepared good works in advance for us to do. We need faith to believe that we are God's masterpiece this evening that we're not just some broke disgusting sinner that we're not just some poor kid that we're not just some thug that we're not just too stupid or unintelligent or whatever lie of the devil we have believed 
to say we can't do what God has called us to or we can't live worthy of what God has called us to. I pray for faith in this room. Holy Spirit, awaken and stir faith in the hearts of everybody here. Lord, we believe that you are who you say we are. And we can do what you said we can do. We don't have to be like our friends. We don't have to be like our parents. We don't have to be like this world. We don't have to live up to the negative, false prophecies that people spoke over us when they said we'd be nothing. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. We are co-heirs with Christ. That means we get everything Jesus gets. We are co-laborers with Christ. That means everything we do, Jesus does it with us and Jesus does it through us. And it's not just us and it's not just our own effort and it's not just going to be meaningless in the end. It's going to matter. If we could get our altar workers here. For those of you who really are struggling, what am I going to do with my life? Ladies can pray with Jackie. Gentlemen can pray with TJ. Or if you just want to come up to the altar, if you want to kneel here and you just want to get it in with the Lord and say, I want my life to matter forever. How am I going to do that, Lord? Some of you have a hard time believing your life will matter. God don't make no junk. You are made in His image and likeness. God has given His, put His image and likeness in you. God has given His Son, and His Son gave His life for you. And His Son gives the Spirit to you so that you can live a God-blessed life. Come on, if you're feeling that the altar is open now. If you need to pray and get it in with the Lord, the altar is open now.